Hi, how's it going? Welcome to Millenniosophy, a silly podcast where I try and take you on a philosophical journey through a very relaxed narrative. Let's put it that way. In this episode, I thought I had better talk a little bit about education. Seeing as I kind of um, shit-talked it pretty badly last episode, I thought I should qualify that. Because I love educators. I think everybody that gets into education does so with so much hope and so much joy and so much love. But like with every system, those that cannot play the game will take their joy and their love and their hope somewhere else. And as you get further up the organization, you tend to find a greater level of maybe two things, maybe one part confirmation bias and two parts learned helplessness. I haven't thought about this for very long. I'd be keen to hear your thoughts. So when you get people that play the game and they make it to the top, they have a vested interest in maintaining the status quo because that's the game that they played and won. It works the same in the legal system, in the prison systems, and government systems, where the tail starts wagging the dog. And then we're very, very confused why we cannot legislate, administrate, and control the dog by more and more finely slicing down how we allow the tail to wag. When we have an education system that's based on, in its earliest forms, social obedience, and we have education systems that come down to us through these powerful systems of religion or of government ideologically based education, you end up taking these wonderful educators and putting them in a system where they are, where they're given a lawnmower and asked to plant flowers. This is the analogy I used in my very first episode. So most educators now are absolutely overwhelmed with bureaucracy, administration, with standardized testings, with huge expectations from parents or no interest from parents, and all of the failings of society being put on people who were never given the tools that they were promised. I would really like to see a reinvention of education, primary school, secondary school education. I want us to think about what we consent to. The average four-year-old, I remember hearing somewhere, asks something like 400 questions a day. And yet most people, once they leave high school, they don't dare ask questions. They're terrified. And it's instilled in them throughout all of these years that to be different is bad. To be ill-equipped is bad. To be poor is bad. It's hopeless. It's just, it's an enormous headfuck. And we can't dismantle the system completely. Children need to go to school. We must educate our children somehow. But I think we desperately, desperately need a reevaluation of what the end goal is here. It is no longer important how well you do in each individual academic test if you can find the thing that you love and learn to do it so well. But I would love to see teachers become facilitators. And I get this from my mother, who has spent many years teaching all over the world. And she's clever. And I really respect the idea that we could find an opportunity where children 
and teachers consent to come together and share interest and curiosity in a kind and welcoming space where the amount of money you ha- your family has is of little or no importance. Where every single child is welcomed as a tiny, tiny person whose needs and feelings are valid and important. And I don't really care what the test results become. We don't test toddlers on when they learn to walk because we know that they will learn at their own pace, at their own speed. Why can we not teach everything the way we teach our smallest human beings? Allow them to play, allow them to follow their own interests, allow them to think independently, allow them to be unique and different and beautiful. Because telling a child that they are stupid does so much more damage than you can possibly imagine. Gaslighting the population into believing that if they cannot produce an academic transcript, that their thinking is invalid, is the lie that keeps us all down. I did quite well at school, and I've talked about this before, but I lost interest very quickly, particularly in mathematics. Uh, I had the unfortunate event of being spotted as being quite good at maths, when I was about 11 or 12, and being promoted into the advanced maths class. And um, I (laughs) was not welcome in that class, because even though I could think quite complex mathematical problems out, I could not for the life of me memorise my times tables. So despite spending hours and hours desperately trying to rote learn my 12 times tables, I would consistently get one or two questions wrong on every daily quiz. And if everybody in the class got every single question correct, we would get the day off and we could just play instead of doing maths. And when I joined the group, they quite often got them all right. And I got three. And a few months later, I would get more, but I could never get 20. And it was such a regular occurrence by the end of the year that the entire class would have 20 out of 20 and when it came to my grade and I called out 18 the entire class groaned. Now I have no idea why my teacher kept going with this methodology. I'm sure he thought eventually I would get it and I would be so proud of myself but it made me feel so unwelcome in that class that I never ever volunteered to do any kind of advanced mathematics classes again and I almost consistently made sure I didn't try too hard because I was terrified of being put in that position again. And so even though I was very technically able, I slept through the majority of my high school maths classes. It started in the first year and then it became a learned habit and I just could not keep my eyes open. Maths classes became my bodily signal to have a nap. But because I consistently got B's, B pluses, and my teachers had so many problems with the children who didn't consent to be there, that it really wasn't an issue. And then by my final year, which was not the final year, but um, technically the second to last year, that's when I'd had enough. And when it came to the end of year exam, I'd had a huge depressive episode the night before and really hurt myself. 
and I suspect this was something of further self-sabotage. But because I hadn't studied at all for my sixth form maths exam, and (laughs) when I finally sat down at the desk, simply not wanting to be alive anymore, I realised I hadn't packed my calculator. And I was so deeply ashamed of making that basic error that I did not tell anybody in the room that I didn't have a calculator. Despite the fact that this exam was held in my normal classroom that had a box of calculators within two metres of me. And I did the entire exam with mental arithmetic. And I failed that exam. I think I got 46%. And that fail felt right. It felt like that's what I deserved. And my father could not believe it. He was just did not understand at all when I admitted to him that, oh yeah, I got a bad grade in the final exam because I didn't use a calculator. What? What? Ugh, I think I gave that man some um, very sleepless nights. But then uh, in my final year I left, well before my final year I left and I got a job as a waitress and I started at 6.30 in the morning and I served breakfast and then for conferences I served tea and scones throughout day and served with lunch and finished up about 3 o'clock in the afternoon and went home and I did that for about 6 months and thought I don't think I want to be a waitress. So then I got a job as a receptionist at a hotel And I was 17, and by the time I had been there about three months, I was um, the most senior receptionist, which tells you about as much as you need to know about the hotel. And shortly after that, I thought, no, I'd rather play the academic game than this game. And I went back to university. But because I had kind of (laughs) imploded at the end of my sixth form year, I didn't have the certificates for university entrance. I didn't have the grades to be let in on that performance. So I did what was called a bridging course. And the first semester of my university career was spent at a less prestigious academic institution where I took a paper on accounting, tourism, and management to prove that I had... uh, the stick-with-itness to enrol at university. And that in itself was a very interesting experience and quite a humbling experience. But it was very good for me. It knocked some of my arrogance out. I mean, I piled way way more back on over the next four and a half years, but, you know, I started well. And when I went to university, I became friends with an amazing girl. And we were complete opposites in terms of the bell curve of academic fluency. And I could slide by doing very little work in my degree. And my friend worked her butt off. And by the time we'd both finished our honours degree, she got a first class honours award. And I did not. I got second class first division. Because again my arrogance had come in and I thought I was a bit too cool. And I stopped playing the game and started being a smartass. And I was incredibly proud of her for that. Not that the particular classes or distinctions were in any way important, 
but the fact that where I had cruised and got complacent, she'd grafted that whole way. And I just admired her so much for that. So I would like to see more consent and more education because the biggest thing I learned at university, other than odd tidbits that make great cocktail conversation, was that no matter how clever you are, there are many people cleverer than you and they will disagree with you and that's not a bad thing. I love learning and I would love to inspire a generation that loved learning, that realised that they can be in an environment and know nothing and feel no shame and ask every question. And that those who believe themselves so incredibly intellectually superior just take stock because that's only one bell curve. And the people that happen to fall at the lower end of a bell curve They've got other bell curves, and those ones are fascinating. And there's nothing wrong with being unaware of a piece of information that you have never had the opportunity to learn. When you find that opportunity, take it. Why not? Your knowledge and your experience and your understanding of the world around you is yours alone. No one can tell you what to think. You have the right to think critically about every piece of information offered to you. Now, I really recommend to anybody with any interest in education and communities and how we can make these better, to search up a brilliant podcast series called Nice White Parents. I believe it's about five or six episodes long. I can't to hand tell you who produced it. It's not new. Nice White Parents is a story of how expectations of planting flowers and those children who are treated as grass interact and their parents interact. And it is a very powerful series. I feel that the greatest damage that a white patriarchal post-colonialist world can do is tell a child that they are stupid and therefore line them up for a whole life of gaslighting where they will become a space of vulnerability for unending exploitation. Learn. Don't worry about test results. Don't worry about anybody else. Just keep trying. Okay. So for those of my listeners who are younger and still struggling within this system, why is it important to keep going? It's really important for a couple of reasons. Firstly, your brain is very much like your muscles in that it needs to practice something to get good at it. The more you practice, the better and more efficient your brain is at doing certain activities. So a huge amount of school has benefit in that it is giving your brain the opportunity to practice ideas early so that if those ideas become important to you later, you have some basic uh, patterns 
happening in your brain activity that will allow you to pick that back up. It's a bit like riding a bike. It's something you have to do. Nobody can learn to talk or to walk or to spell or to write or to read without lots and lots of effort. And then it becomes very easy. Once the effort has been put in, these things become very comfortable to do. And you can gain a lot of confidence once you are comfortable doing something. And then you can start to experiment and grow and learn and do things nobody has ever done before. But you need that practice. So even though the schooling systems in most industrialized countries are problematic, some countries are doing better than others. But if I can tell you nothing else, let me tell you that the education system is a game. Learn to play the game. And when you make mistakes, know that those are necessary and human. And you may not have the best environment to learn the things that you will value later in life. But if you can separate yourself as a person from yourself as a student and the game that you have to play as a student then you will realize that the grades that you get are not particularly important. It's good to show growth, it's good to show effort, but this is not a game that you need to win in comparison to anybody else. This is the myth that we must compete with one another in order to be inspired to try hard. Try because this is your opportunity to learn something new. And if you don't get it, this is not a moral failing on your part. You are not stupid and you are not unworthy. You are simply not having this concept communicated to you in a way that you can pick up and understand. I would hope that in years to come an education system can be put in place where regardless of your economic status or social status, our children can leave school without feeling stupid, without feeling unworthy, and without feeling like they are not allowed to think independently. Because when you have independent thinkers, it is very, very difficult to manipulate, coerce, and hurt a population on a grand scale. You really, really need to dig deep down into the psyche of a child at a very young age in order to condition them into accepting incredible inequality and pain and we have constant issues with bullying in schools because we have constant issues with bullying in all society we can only stop bullying one another when we stop thinking that we have any moral superiority to look down on one another because of our various privileges we are not ever better than one another and you should never ever allow yourself to be coerced by somebody because you believe they are better than you. They are not better. You have the right to learn to use your mind to think for yourself, to analyse the world around you and decide for yourself what you can live with and what you can't live without. And the dignity that comes from a mind that is confident in its own ability to make decisions, can never, ever, ever be taken away. If you know in your heart that you are good, you are true, 
you are trying and you will make mistakes and that's okay, then there is no shade that anyone can throw that will blight you. Because it doesn't matter what other people think of you when you know, I think, I am, I have a right to be here. I have a right to be me. I am one of an infinite number of unique possibilities. And I am the only person who can take this particular lifetime at this particular point in time and space and make it the best experience possible, both for myself and for all of the people around me. Because the fear that people are at heart selfish and cruel is just as much of a lie as the fear that there is some devil who is trying to constantly tempt you into some horrendous, infinite, unknown misery. When we stop grasping, when we stop needing to be the best, we can enjoy just where we are and we can learn what we love and we don't need to spend time pushing down what we hate because hate can only exist through resistance. When there is no resistance, it's forgotten. So please know that I support every iteration of trying to spread awareness and understanding and educate people to think for themselves and think well. And I abhor every type of intellectual pretension, every grammatical pedant who thinks that their grasp on something as ridiculous as the game of the English language makes their thinking somehow better than your thinking in whatever dialect, language, particular phraseology you use. You may have noticed I use language very loosely and I add so many words just because I think they're wonderful. I'm quite happy to adopt new words as I am to adopt ridiculously old words that haven't been used. I will quite happily open a conversation with sup and then close the conversation with toodle pip. And if anybody is confused as to what group I am trying to identify with, it's all of them. What a wonderful thing language is. Play with it. Use it with joy. Explore it. But please don't feel like your inability to memorize the rules of the game mean that you can't play the game. Play whatever level you're at and make sure that you're in a room with people who recognize and respect and welcome you. And those rooms that we're not welcome in, I thumb my nose at those rooms. This podcast uh, is going to be flexible. I'm going to take what opportunities arise. But mostly the end goal is to gain a following and be completely underestimated right up until the point where I knife them in the capitalism. I'm going with the, hey, look at me, aren't I silly? By the way, let's decolonize this bitch. That's my end goal. So if you want to join me, hit me up, millenniosophy at gmail.com. I am It's Kim Stephanie on Instagram and Twitter. 
and I have recently created a TikTok account under the name Kim Stephanie at KimStephanie84. And you're welcome to follow along in my madness because I think I'm going to get silly. I uh, wish you a wonderful day. I thank you again. Think well, be well. Goodbye.